and welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one chapter or half at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Wonderful to see you this lovely Friday. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah. Bad time to start drinking coffee is two sentences into the podcast. I know, right? (laughs) Um... So we are covering the most uncomfortable stretch of scripture that we have in this show. Oh my God, this is going to be an uncomfortable one. I got angry and anxious uh, and frustrated reading it. Um, and you were texting me, I'm coming in with fire. Is that still uh-huh. the case? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let our fire be an offering. Uh <laughs> So we're going to be talking about Ephesians 5, 18 through 33. Lots of stuff in there about how uh, male and female spouses should relate to each other. And it's often the stuff that is used for much harm um, instead of the bits of good insight in there. <laughs> but also some weird stuff that we can't get around. Anyway, um, if you haven't had a chance to read Brandon's translation, we will have it up on the screen here uh, in a minute so that you can read along with us. If you'd like to read at your own pace, including reading the footnotes, uh, there's a link to do that down at the bottom of the screen here, or maybe it's over this way uh, uh, in the notes, or it's in the episode notes for uh, the podcast. So go ahead and give it a read. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So I want to begin with something that we ended last time. Last week's episode ended sort of like uh, the Gospel of Mark, like it just like mid-sentence, or in this case, mid-paragraph, because often this is a, well, why don't you say it? Why don't you explain it? And then we can go through the whole thing. Most other translations have their paragraphs going from wherever it starts around like verse six or so all the way through 20 um but i have it at 18 Mm -hmm. and there's good reason for that i think mostly the greek grammar um so we've done a lot of talking about greek as we've gone through some of this stuff we've talked a lot about like the meanings of specific words like the definitions we've talked about prepositions several times uh we've talked about like how the nouns relate to each other in the sentence uh, with case endings. Um, What we haven't talked a lot about, which it's about time because it's a huge part of how Greek works is participles. Ooh. Um, Which unless you're a grammar nerd, you may not have known as even a word, Um, but that we have an English too. King's quest five, I think had a a riddle about that. (sighs) Yeah. Um, so basically, it's it's one of the forms of a word that's kind of somewhere between a verb and a noun, kind of functions as both. Um, so example of that would be uh, speaking. The one who is speaking or the speaking person. Um, 
that would that's a participle it's referring to a person which is like a noun or maybe like a describer like an adjective is how it's functioning but it, it's coming from a verb root um gotcha and so you can have it be in that slide of things or you can even say something like raising your hand he began you began to speak like the raising there is a participle and it's more describing the action of the main verb, which is began to speak. Um, they're never the main verb in a sentence. Wow. They're never the main verb in a sentence. If you only have a participle, you have a sentence fragment. Um, so what's all this mean? <laughs> so, What's the point of this? When you get down to verses 21 or so. And oh, it hang starts... on. Share, share a screen so I can be showing people this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pull it up. I'll, I'll keep talking a little bit as you get it up. Um, you choice. have words that are, I have cooperate. No, you have, um, you've disabled screen sharing for me. Oh, I should turn that on, I suppose. Yeah. That's the, that's the default setting. I never turned it on. Okay. So I have, where I have like cooperate and it traditionally is submit or be subject. Um that's a participle. The sentence can't start there. It is modifying. It's describing something about the action that's described of the actual main verb somewhere else in the text. And so you start scrolling up and up and up and up and realize, oh, shoot, the last place there was a straight verb that wasn't a participle that's in verse 18. Hmm. So all of that stuff, all the verbs there through, let's say, where does it, the sentence actually stop? You said uh, 24 in our notes. So yeah, that look, yes. So all the way through 24, 18 to 24 is a single sentence. Um, and I, I, even I don't have it set, like formatted like that in English mm -hmm. because that would just be a crazy long sentence in English, but I'm trying to convey the, at least the, the idea, the meaning of having these things modifying the original one, um, doing my best anyway. But so all of the things that happen in those verses 18 to 24, all the verbs there are describing the verb in verse 18, which is uh, being filled with the life breath, filled. Wow. Yeah, speaking to each other with psalms and songs of praise, et cetera, and 19 is modifying what it means to be filled with the life breath or how you're filled with the life breath, expressing gratitude in verse 20, cooperating with in verse 21. Uh, since all this stuff is happening in verse 23, it's still like about being filled with the life breath back from verse 18. Um, hmm. Yeah. On the other hand, it's still another conjunction in verse 24, doing the same is about being filled with a life breath. Um, and if you have them as completely separate paragraphs, let alone different sentences, you lose yeah. that entirely. It completely alters the meaning. It's no longer what it says in the scripture. I think it'd be a good time to read. <laughs> sure, let's give, do it. Give this a read through. Yeah, maybe you can read that one long sentence in the Greek, the, the 18 to 24 here. Take one big breath. 
(gasps) Don't be drunk with wine, which is accompanied by neglect. Instead, be filled with the life breath, speaking to each other with psalms and songs of praise and songs in harmony with the life breath, singing and playing instruments with your heart to the Lord, always expressing gratitude for everything to to the God and Father of and as a representative of our Lord Jesus Christ, as you're cooperating with each other with Christ's deference, wives do so with your hus- wives do so with your husbands, like with the Lord, since a husband is head of the wife, like Christ is also head of the assembly. He is the caregiver for the body. On the other hand, like the assembly cooperates with Christ, wives do the same with husbands regarding everything. That is a long sentence. Mm-hmm. It's a very long sentence. Hmm. Um, thank you. So we've got more verses that we'll read as we work our way through this. Uh, but I think the next big translation point that's worth exploring uh, together is uh, cooperating with. That's a mm-hmm. theme. That's a, it, this shows up throughout the rest of the chapter and I yeah. think into chapter six as well yeah so this is one where it's trying really hard to not have it be submit (laughs) um so we've talked over and over again about like yes i have my biases yes i have how i understand things i'm trying as best i can to just be faithful to what's there knowing that of course that's being filtered through all of my filters um And then I get to a section like this and I'm just like, I really want this to be different. Um, So I'm trying really hard to at least stay within the bounds of what the Greek could be saying, even if I'm kind of really pressing hard against one side. Um, And that's just to say that I'm also not the only one doing that. Um, So we, we, we called the ESV, the English Standard Version, the extra sexist version last week. Um, okay. And I stand by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found an article that was enlightening. It said some things that I already knew and gave in a lot more details of things that I didn't know. Basically, I gave the story of why the ESV exists in the first place and some of the ways that that motivation has showed up in practical decision translation decisions um and why that's there so basic storyline in the 90s uh, lots of bible translations were toying with gender inclusive translations so translating a word like anthropos which really just means human translating that as person or people instead of man or men um Adelphoi meaning brothers, just Adelphoi meaning brothers, which means brothers or siblings, Mm -hmm. uh, because if it's a group of both, the word for that in English or in Greek is just Adelphoi. And translations like the NIV toying with doing brothers and sisters, NRSV does do brothers and sisters. and that began in the 80s, really. Yeah, that began. Yeah, the NIV was translated in 1978, but there is a. Uh, in the 90s, the NIV started planning, which is the most widely used version 
in English other than the King James across all time. Even more than the NRSV? Wow. Yeah. I felt and, that was the case in evangelicalism, but wow. Yeah. Well, it's it's the new international version specifically. Oh, like they they, they sent it with missionaries. Chose, I see what they did. They sent it with missionaries. They specifically made translation decisions that tried to use vocabulary that was comfortable for American and non-American English speakers. They like, which means that their vocabulary list is very small. So that that skews it in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but. In the 90s, they started toying with doing a much more gender-inclusive version of the NIV. Um, They even published the TNIV, today's New International Version, with a lot of those kinds of changes. Um, And certain people did not like that. Um, So you have Wayne Grudem, who's the president of the, oh, what's it called? Center, I think. Center of Grumpy White, guys. <laughs> yeah, center or something like that word um, for biblical manhood and womanhood. Oh, God. Um, and John Piper, oh, who's God. maybe my least favorite Baptist pastor. <laughs> I have a list. No, I That's don't have a, a list. list. But <laughs> uh, and uh, R.C. Sproul, another huge name in evangelicalism. And particularly, yeah, Calvinist, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then um, James Dobson, another one of my favorite people. So, uh, yeah, head of focus on the family. You need to meet more people. (laughs) Yeah. So those four guys met with the publishing company Zondervan, Mm -hmm. which was very widely known and and basically said, if you go go ahead with that plan, we're going to boycott you until all the millions of Christians around the world who who listen to us to boycott oh you. God. Um, and so they capitulated as we're scrapping the project. We're not doing it. So Zondervan gave up on making the gender inclusive version of the NIV. Apparently that wasn't enough for them. And the uh, president of Crossways Publishing and Wayne Grudem partnered together and bought the rights to the RSV which was considered too liberal, um, but they bought the rights to it and turned it into the ESV so that they could make an, a hyper-complementarian uh, version. And re-complementarian yeah. as misogynist, by the way. Yeah, that's the important thing to say here is that these, yeah. these characters that you've listed, if you don't know those na- if you know those names, you know the kind of things they fixate on. I, even just saying that Grudem mm-hmm. was like... Um, the big kinky meanie at the top of the like center of biblical men and women. What? Yeah. It's like, the, what the heck? They Count, have a, council. They, it's council. On biblical that's it. Men that's and it. Women. They yeah, have, yeah. Uh, they broadly, they reflect authoritarian visions of God that should be reflected in authoritarian mm-hmm. social structures, primarily beginning at male yeah. and female as the only valid participants yeah. in a home. A whole view of reality and God and humanity based on pyramid schemes of we have to know who's at the top and who's in charge and who's underneath that and underneath that and underneath that. And it's not just decision-making power, but personal value and worth that gets lower for each tier down you go. And that that is rooted in God. Yeah. That's supposed to be based in like the order of creation. Yep. 
Um, yep. So th- I'm saying th- this yeah. and getting angry right now. Like this feels evil to me, like evil. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. What and, were you saying? And, well, and, and holy shit, blasphemous. Mm-hmm. Like it is defiling the image of God revealed in Yahweh and in Jesus Christ. Um, and in the saints and mystics throughout history, like this mm-hmm. is atrociously vile that has caused so much harm, so much um, domestic rape and abuse and subjugation of women. It is yeah. an atrocious and satanic uh, commitment that yeah. these guys have made a lot of money um, peddling. And it, yeah. I mean, that's not their only motivation. It's also like just that's they think they're that's right. Map for that, that that's their yeah. map for reality. They believe that right. they that there's we, no they can't conceive that it would be any other way. Yeah, and that to defy that or to suggest that it's <laughs> it, it's actually the world and God are better than that um, would be to is a threat to the authoritarian God. It's just, as soon as you say that. Um, the divine and the cosmos are meant to function as a circle, not a pyramid. Um, that's a that's a profound threat to their sense mm-hmm. of security and agency. Right. Well, because the the pyramid structure gives them power, and power feels like security. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a the whole Stockholm yeah. syndrome on the other end of things. Right. That's exactly what it is. Um, anyway, we hate yeah. this shit. Uh, right so getting to these passages is hard as hell (laughs) right and then like so okay just another one more tidbit about like it coming from the rsv to the esv Mm -hmm. um so they like brag they they kind of refuse to like verbally acknowledge yes we made this like more against women uh but they brag about like taking out the like liberal parts. So they only changed, like it's almost word for word, the RSV in a lot of places. It's, they only changed about 8% of it. Um, okay. So it's not really a new translation. It was like a revision of an existing translation. It's a double um, so, and some of that was changing was like words that don't like, aren't a thing anymore. And I, I can't think of examples, but essentially the same idea is changing thou to you. Um, those kinds of changes. Mm-hmm. And the other changes were things like uh, changing in Genesis 3, the curses where Adam or and Eve, after fall, Eve is told, your desire will be for your husband. Every other translation says for your husband. The Greek word or Hebrew word el is for. Like it's not... <laughs> That's what that word means. They changed it. Your desire will be contrary to your husband. There's no justification for that. There's no nowhere else where that's translated that way. Not just in that not spot, but like nowhere else that Hebrew word is translated that way. Wow. Um, and then so you get other translation decisions like where the heading is. Uh, RSV. Oh, hang on. Let me. I'm going to yeah, share. Yeah, bring that up. Here. Yeah. yeah. there we go that's good and depressing 
There you go. So when you get to where the the paragraph break is in most other translations. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. um, So on the top of the screen here, we're looking at Brandon's translation, uh, the FIT. And then below is uh, the ESV, extra sexist version. That's right. And, you know, we don't have my whole paragraph here because mine starts at 18, but we have it starting at 21 here for mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have like 21, the reason like, like, oh, it's like cutting off there because that's how yeah, they did the, it. For those, for those listening, um, in the ESV, 21 uh, is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is the end of the preceding paragraph. Then there's a big paragraph section break. heading that says wives and mm-hmm. husbands. And then yeah. it launches into uh, verse 22 of wives submit to your husbands. Yeah. So, so it's they make very it separated between very separated. verses 21 submit and 22. To one another. That yeah. said, there's a pyramid to how we submit to each other. Right. And how do people normally preach scriptures, look at scriptures? They start at the section headings. So like this may they not even be talked God. about yeah. in the, at the same conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but what's important to note is that any change from the RSV to the ESV was very intentional because that's what they did. They just took the RSV and made changes to it. The RSV has the paragraph starting at verse 21 with it, with a heading before verse 21. Wow. They changed that added verse 21 to the previous paragraph for the ESV and then put the heading after it. They intentionally disconnected verses 21 and 22. So the already like uh, kind of a spoiler here for the rest of the show is frankly, it is really difficult to know what to do with this passage. And we'll, we'll, by the end of this, we're going to talk a bit about like what is at a more meta level, what is the role of scripture? Um, when it seems to be resisting itself and the witness it bears to Jesus Christ. Um, that said, the ESV translate committee seemed pretty committed to l- accentuating the um, unchecked patriarchy. Like they're double checking it. <laughs> yeah, it's not even just leaving it there. Oh, this feels, this is there. So we're going to leave it. They are, are adding to it. Yeah, this is not even like what's there is already hard enough for someone like me who doesn't like any difference in value between men and women and roles and like yeah. wants to honor all people weirdly. Um, it's already difficult enough, but they're not just leaving it as it is. They're actively making it worse on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, and part of that is verse 21 is talks about cooperating or submitting to one another like both from both sides right like yeah and then like here are some examples for that basically but for the esv it's like that's a different thing now we're 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 talking about wives and husbands it's only one direction here mm-hmm. and we accomplish that by putting this break in between the two sentences within the sentence really yeah so yeah should we uh should we go through this yeah yeah let's look at let's look at cooperating so it's right there in front of us yeah yeah and so this is how you translate what's you what's typically submit right 
Yeah, which is submit is an appropriate way to translate that. Also is cooperating. So I'll read just like a little bit of what's in the theological dictionary of the New Testament, where is, which is where I got the idea for cooperating. Um, it says that the Greek word hupatasso, which is the word there, is a Greek military term meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader, which starts to go into the side of more of the submit side of things, right? Uh, but it's specifically within a military context that that's the meaning. Mm-hmm. And then it says in non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. That sounds a lot less hierarchical to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cooperating is right in there. And I, so I lifted that out of that and, and put it into the translation here. And it works. It's nice. It's tasteful. Um, so you're cooperating, like all of this going back to chapters one and two and three and four of like, stop treating each other badly, treat each other with love, build unity, yeah. Yeah. stop having a tiered value system between Jewish Christians and other Christians, like just be one body. And then chapter four, giving examples of like the kinds of things that get in the way of that. Stop doing that. Call it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, make Bring sure it, it stops. Light. Bring it into the light and love each other instead. And so all of that here is like, so stop numbing like we talked about in chapter four. Don't yeah. be given to like getting drunk and like, like neglecting all of that. Instead, lean and be filled with the spirit. Here are some of the ways to do that. Cooperate with each other. Mm-hmm like the kind of cooperation and like deferring to each other, looking out for each other, respecting each other that Christ exemplified. That's with Christ's deference. And that's kind of the next piece, like the, the reverence deference fear is the literal, most literal meaning of the word there of Christ in the Greek. Hmm. Um, That tricky of that we've talked about in other episodes can mean a whole bunch of different things sure so and you just have to make a decision based on the context and how you understand it and there's not a there's not an easy way to just simply say oh this is the correct way that to mean this to figure out what this means um so i'm taking it to mean like kind of possessive of like this is the deference that christ possesses and has and lives by Mm -hmm. teaches us to live by Mm -hmm. um could be the reverence deference toward Christ. It could be the reverence deference produced by Christ that comes from Christ that all, all sorts of different ways to, of applying it. Um, but I think it makes the most sense in context of like, that's kind of the whole argument of the book is like, this is how Jesus has exemplified for us to be. So this is how you be. Right. And that's kind of the whole point of everything here. Um. So yeah, as you're doing that, wives do so with your husbands, uh, like with the Lord, which feels a little uncomfortable. Are we comparing husbands to Jesus, to Christ in this? It seems like we are. But it's a little uncomfortable. It. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it goes on and even builds on that. Christ is the head of the assembly. Um, mm-hmm. Husband is head of the wife. Okay. So yeah, it's being connected here. What does that mean? We assume that means like 
if, if you have an authoritarian, authoritarian framework for what it means to be Christ, then that all, all of a sudden means the husband's in charge. You better listen. If you don't obey, then you're sinning. If you're sinning, you deserve to be punished. Uh, this whole like stack of assumptions that goes with it. But over and over again, Christ says what it means to lead is to serve. Yeah. What it means to love, to be the head is to give yourself up, to sacrifice yourself, not claim power and like, gimme, 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 do what I tell you because I'm the one who's important and you're not. Yeah. Uh, as, an, as an aside about like actual words, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a common way that those of us who have opted out of the authoritarian game are on the journey of towards that. Um, what we do with this is recognizing there are plenty of places where Paul and other authors of new Testament literature, uh, they don't lay down authoritarian or hierarchical language. Always they repurpose it into a switcheroo. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of saying no more of that, they say, look, actually what's going, what the heart of power is cruciformity like the power mm-hmm. of god is 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 uh on the cross right. um not not it is being the crucified one not being the cross builder right um and so that's just like kind that- of understandable because that's a lot of what the scripture writers are doing is taking phrases from cultural assumptions about power mm-hmm. and using those same phrases kind of tongue-in-cheek to flip them up upside down but then what authoritarian Christians are doing is flipping them back again. Yes. Exactly undoing right. the tongue in cheekness of what the scripture is trying to do. And also it being these, this literature began as literature of, of oppressed and marginalized people predominantly mm-hmm. and of a community that stands in solidarity with those who are oppressed and marginalized and left out, left behind. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you have careful, guarded ways. This is also literature that is not meant primarily or secondarily for private personal consumption or as a rule right. book. This is literature that is meant to be read aloud, discussed, argued about, um, and wrestled with. Mm-hmm. And, in, and you wrestle the blessing out of it, right? <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. There was a technical malfunction. Let me, let me find the thought. Um, I suppose you, you had a sense of where I was going. I'm just yeah. going to throw it back in your brain <laughs> see if you remembered what I was saying. Oh, no, that was for everyone out there. I accidentally just paused the recording and thought we lost all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, the well, oppressed, it's literature being written people. within the pressed people. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, and, and, written to be argued with, about and with, wrestled with. So a plain stating of some things, there's plenty of plain, controversial, counter-imperial, counter-authoritarian um, language in the Bible. And there's other places where they're doing the switcheroo game. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of like saying, well, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna give up the word power. Like the word power is a good and useful word. It's just power looks like the crucified and risen lamb not like not the conquering lion the conquering lion yeah Yeah. um more like a lamb than aslan (laughs) 
<laughs> um, awkward. Don't speak ill of Aslan, Brandon. It's, yeah, it's just. Yeah. Like, I think we have enough <laughs> post evangelicals who can tolerate yeah. the sacrilege yeah. of teasing Narnia. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's right. just it's Which, frustrating as hell here. Like, why can't yeah. you? Ah. Well, well, and that's reflected in my decision about where I have caregiver instead of savior too. Uh, the word is soter, traditionally savior, but the, the meaning isn't one specifically religious. Um, and two has a range. It's about protecting the well-being or uh, of something, mm-hmm. but that can look like healing a sickness Mm-hmm. that can look like rescuing someone who's been captured and imprisoned that can look like protecting someone who's being attacked by a wild animal that can look like whatever you're doing, you're taking action to keep that person healthy and well. Yeah. Um, whether it's restoring it after it's been taking like a rescue, uh, which is sometimes an appropriate way to translate it in context or it's doing more to preserve and protect so that it's never harmed in the first place. Uh, that word has that whole range. Hmm. Um, and if we're translating things in context, this is talking about body metaphors, head and body, the body of Christ being the church. Like you take care of your body. It has a very explicit words later about like feeding and yeah, yeah. clothes, like swaddling basically. Uh, a body that you're taking care of so is the caregiver for the body you're protecting providing for uh, Mm -hmm. nurturing the body and that has much more of a feel of service of of doing things on for someone else's well-being than like savior come is does have like the image of like a conquering general coming in and and defeating the the enemy army and saving the land like mm-hmm. the whole yeah. different paradigm of what it means to to be christ yeah and those those sorts of images are they're useful they have a utility and a mythic power it's just they also can very easily go a kind of jesus and john wayne kind of uh brave heart fetish right and and I think it's really important to translate this word in particular based on the context and not just have one uniform word across every instance of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I try really hard to be consistent and this just does not feel like the word where that's appropriate. Sure, sure. Yeah. You'll notice if you look at your screen here too, like the next thing in, in the ESV one is submits whereas mine's cooperate and then submit again and go look back up oh 22 has submit like they made sure to get that word in there as many times as possible uh (laughs) but the greek hupatasso we get it guys is only in there twice yeah um and there's some reasons like it makes sense why they did it in in 24 uh and it sort of makes sense why they did it in 22 if they have that giant break because they have to submit they have to supply a verb again because they separated two parts of the same breath there. Um, But yeah, it just is another sign to me about how extremely biased it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I realized we didn't actually read through 20. No, we got through 24, didn't we? Yeah. 
Yep, we got through 24. Um, yeah, could you read 24 yeah, through 23 before part. we... Okay. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the assembly and handed himself over on its behalf so that it would be made sacred, cleansing it by washing it with water in connection with what was spoken, so that he could present the assembly along with himself, being highly esteemed, not having a spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind, but rather so that it may be sacred and without blemish. In the same way, husbands owe their wives love, like they show to their own bodies. Whoever loves his wife loves himself. No one ever treated their own body maliciously. Instead, they nurture it and take care of it tenderly, just as Christ also does for the assembly, since we are parts of his body. This is why a person will leave his father and mother and unite with his wife, and the two become one body. This mystery is big. Now I am speaking about Christ and the assembly. Nevertheless, each and every one of you love your wife like yourself so that the wife can defer to her husband. Oh my God. Can we just jump to that last one? Not yet. Uh, like, do we have to? Yeah. That's my, well, that's maybe my least favorite part of the whole thing. Um, oh but it, it helps it at least if it's in context, but yeah, yeah, no, we've got a few other things to, to catch on to here. Um, let's see. Uh, how about in 28, the word owe versus should. So in the yeah. same way, husbands owe their wives love, like they should show their own bo body. And in the ESV, it's in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their mm -hmm. uh, own bodies. What's the, what, yeah. what makes that a big shift? Um, because I translated it based on the word that's there. Oh my God. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the Greek word is ophelo, which means to owe. And uh, that's a lot stronger word to me than should. Should, yeah. It's like, no, this is not optional. This is not even a, like, it would be better. And you really, really should. I strongly encourage. This is like, you owe this. If you withhold this, you are stealing. Like, you are causing harm. Like, this is not this is not optional. It also like puts the um, the locus of moral momentum and logic between mm -hmm. instead of above. Like from it's it's not just like True. the should from the should sphere, just like raining down yeah. should. They owe their wives this, not yeah. I'm gonna make God the happy. The nature of the relationship by doing what I should do. Yeah. The nature yeah. of the relationship of of difference in union lends itself to it creates a new kind of drawing together mm -hmm. instead of do this shit saith paul right. <laughs> right yeah this is part of what it means to have this kind of relationship if you don't want to do this then don't be in this kind of relationship yes yeah what a subtle like it's easy to read past that and but the once you swirl it around in your glass a bit there's it gives up more mm -hmm. secrets yeah yeah and and so what does it mean to love well you take care of it like you know it's a subtle shift between nourishes and cherishes uh to what i have is nurture it and take care of it tenderly um that so really is closer to like nourishes is pretty good um cherishes 
it's kind of in there, but it's not just about feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about actions. Like the word there is for nourish even is in the sense of like providing nourishment so that it can grow. It's, it's fairly specific. It's not just feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the take care of it tenderly has this, it's the image that's there is like keeping it warm, like providing a blanket, like swaddling a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this sense of care, like emotional care. That's the tenderly part, but it's very also practical. Um, it's easier to cherish and providing for its needs. And be, and it, yeah. Cherishing can very easily become a sentimental thing that um, objectifies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can have like a trinket that I cherish. Yep. It doesn't say anything about being another person with equal value to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, the next there's a string of, of notions that I see in the notes here that yeah, verse 33 about. has a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 33, which uh, reads, nevertheless, each and every one of you love your wife like yourself so that the wife can defer to her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked, we've talked a few times, I think we really hit it a lot in the second episode on Ephesians of the, the pluralness of you. Mm-hmm. Um, where particularly in every, Paul, Paul's literature, particularly in Paul, it's also that way in, in John too. everything that Jesus says is plural <laughs> um, when he's giving his speeches. Um, yeah, so it, there's like three or four places in Ephesians where it's not plural. And this is one of those. And it doesn't just like suddenly switch to a singular you and like, hope you catch it. It like adds words like that makes it mean literally each and every one. Um, so it's being really emphatic. I'm talking to all y'all. I'm talking to all y'all. I'm talking and I'm ta- like you and you and you and you look at me. Carol, Listen to me. Carol, talking hey, to you. Hey, hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, nobody missed this. This is important. And I think that's what's happening here is that emphasis of like, yes, we're talking to all of you, but like you too. Mm-hmm. Um, love your wife like yourself. It's it's that important. Mm-hmm. And then another like sleight of hand that's this one is not like we're doing a lot of hating on the ESV for good reason, I think. Uh but this one isn't just the ESV. This is pretty commonly across most translations is that they do something along the lines of each of you love your wife as yourself and let the wife see that she respects her husband, um, making it the wife's responsibility to show respect. Um, like these are which, two separate, separate non-causal parallel commandments. Boys do this, girls do this. Right. There's even a whole book that's used for like couples and premarital counseling and it's called Love and Respect based on this verse. An entire book based on this one verse. Um, Teaching men and women, like men, you're need, let me, in case you didn't know, men, you need respect most of all. And by respect, we mean admiration uh, and submission. Like, and a firm shoulder squeeze to say you're on the right part of the pyramid. 
Mm-hmm. And women, what you need most is love. And by love, we mean like talking to you sweetly. Really? The book is uh-huh. like that? Uh-huh. Um, so and yeah, problems in marriages happen when, one, when either side is not meeting the other's needs in that way. So do it. Both of the and it puts a lot of emphasis on saying, "Yep, wives need unconditional love. It doesn't matter how many times your wife has burned with dinner, you you still like talk to her sweetly." Um, and it's unconditional admiration mm-hmm. uh, for the husband because he needs. He needs to feel liked. His ego is pretty fragile. So you got to make sure that you're stroking it all the time so that he can feel good about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from the Bible. So yuck. Wow. Now you know how I feel about that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible. But the, no. the problem is that their emphasis on the respect being unconditional is flat incorrect. That's not what's here in the Greek. Like it's not one of the possible ways of translating this it's not even one of the possibilities like 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 we said i'm leaning very on purpose like all the way as far as i can go on one side of stretching the interpretive things here to be kind to women as much as i can um but trying to stay at least within the bounds of what the greek can be doing Mm -hmm. um this is on the other side outside those bounds Hmm. so the word the greek word there that i have is so that is Hina, which shows purpose or result um, or clarifies something in some way, but it, there's a conditional uh, feel to it. Mm-hmm. So it's not unconditional respect. It's very condition, explicitly conditional respect. Um, if respect is the right word, which I didn't translate it that way. But yeah, so it should be so that the wife can defer. Like if the love isn't happening, it makes it that the result is not the the deference of the wife. Um, yeah. And if you want to feel respect from your spouse, don't wait for it until you learn how to love her as yourself. If you, until you can overcome the entitlement and authority, the authority games, the authoritarian pyramid games, like until you can get over that, you actually are owed nothing. Like the wife has no reason to respect you until she can see that you, Christ has been liberating you from patriarchy and control and oppression. Because mm-hmm. you owe her that as yeah. if she were your own body. Because guess like, what? She is. Because she's liber- God is liberating her from you. Mm-hmm. Like from the toxic false right. self that has been inoculated into you by this world. Mm-hmm. And you're being liberated from that way of thinking about yourself too because it's it's toxic to you as a man to me as a man yeah i just get to also reap some of the benefits of that toxicity Mm -hmm. whereas the woman in my life only gets the negative parts wow that is such a massive rhetorical change like it is saying something approaching opposite Mm mm-hmm yeah, which leads us into defer or respect or literally yeah. to fear. That's uh, a weird one. Uh-huh. 
Um, <laughs> I'm bouncing with anxiety for those listening. <laughs> yeah, let me look at my notes on on this because it's I spent a lot sure. of time trying to figure out. Do yeah. I go with respect? Do I go with revere? Do I go? What do I go with? And what I came to was I thought of Matthew four. Um, and the connection with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom that I had thought of in reference to uh, bowing down that word worship. That's literally bow down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I went ahead and did as submit. Cause that's what the act of bowing down shows not actually worth worshiping, which is admiring showing the high worth of something. Um, oh. And which which respect and revere get into that about it's like that admiration piece. And that's not what bowing down means. And so all those insights that I had in Matthew four, um, that, that came to mind here because of the fear of the Lord reference. Um, And so along those lines, I said, okay, well then fear doesn't mean admiration. It just doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. yes, the word uh, can have a range of meaning, just like words in English can have a range of meaning. But it, fear is not admiration. It just isn't. So that's not one of the possible meanings. Mm. So respect and reverence in that sense of mm. admiration can't be... Yeah what it's talking about um so i went ahead with something that's similar to kind of a submission but it's not about being an authority it's about christ's deference of cruciformity showing up for the benefit of other people because that's what we do as humans who are in relationships we owe it to each other um not about being lower on the hierarchy not about being lower in the pyramid but because like that's what makes a, the world a g- good place to be is that we help each other that we serve mm-hmm. each other we, we try to meet each other's needs as much as we can we're not fully responsible for that uh, i feel like need to add that caveat in there as a counselor <laughs> your needs are not my i'm not responsible to make sure your needs are met i do my best to contribute that because i care about you but that's a gift not an obligation mm-hmm. um Mm. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm coming from with defer, and it has to be read in the context of verse 21, with about connecting it with cooperating with each other, with Christ's deference. It has to be read in the context of earlier in chapter five and in, with chapter four of how we treat other people and how like exploitative behaviors are not okay and need to be called out and done away with that that when we do get angry we do that in a way that's not aggressive and abusive and but is trying to help each other come back to the way of christ in a loving way (laughs) like Mm -hmm. all this all this context has to be kept in mind for reading this not to kind of just make me sick to my stomach (laughs) Yeah. And if you can hold it all together, um, there's still pro- problems, the right it's word. It's still uncomfortable. It's yeah. deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. 
and and that's and part of that is because it was written in a different culture like this is not like there is an assumption of like distinct gender roles the being the head of the household in the roman empire paterfamilias and all that yeah and at this time it just is and that is deeply uncomfortable but really only problematic if your assumption is that whatever social structures are in play being described here mm-hmm. are the only in endorsed by God social structures for all time in all places. Yep. Yep. Um, and I don't think that's true. Case in point going into chapter six, like that we'll talk about next time. It starts talking about uh, masters and slaves and most people even conservative evangelicals are not at least publicly advocating for <laughs> slavery to be reinstated yeah but if if you're saying well that can't be what chapter 6 means because we know slavery is bad then maybe that's not what this means because we know that misogyny is bad hmm. um and then you get like the ESV intentionally trying to make chapter six more palatable by translating things with bond servant and stuff like that instead of slave to get to get out of that so they can make sure that both are acceptable for all time. Right. They're bending over backwards instead of like actually learning as the people of God, as people engaged in the struggle with um, this pile of sacred literature. Um Part of part of reading it maturely is recognizing that it is written to a particular time and place, and we don't. And even when it seems provincial and stuck in that time and place, that cultural context, that social web, our jo- our, our responsibility to keep moving things forward towards Christ's liberation is to um, appreciatively see how this was an experiment. This is this is a, a foray towards letting the logic of Christ seep into a structure. So even in um, Acts 15, where the Jerusalem Council is like, okay, how do Jews and Gentiles get together as one people? Well, we're going to have a few parameters that we'll draw from the sacred literature of Judaism um, in terms of how to be a people together. In the same way, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, how does Christ inoculating and incarnating in a, that's the scandal of the particularity, is that it's always incomplete. Um, I just read, oh, um, who is it? Uh, Father, the homeboy industries guy. Boyle? Father Boyle. Boyle. Um, He he says, um, mercy is reverence for complexity. (laughs) And so a merciful hermeneutic, a merciful way of reading this text is recognizing, yeah, Paul and whoever was, trying to apply the logic of the first three chapters of how they understand the story, trying to apply it, let it seep into patriarchal structures. And it shouldn't have stopped there. And I don't think Paul would have said it should have stopped there. He would have wanted to things, things to keep moving forward, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and even if he mm-hmm. didn't, that's disappointing, but that doesn't give us license to freeze it in time and say the structures of Greco-Roman culture in the ancient Near East, that'll do. We can just stick with 
that. Like there's right. no, there's no reason to do that. Yeah. The value, the explicit values are still the explicit values taking care of each other with love. Yeah. Calling out harm, challenging yourself to grow. And like, there's no reason to yeah. defer unless there's a reciprocity of love. Mm-hmm. Like deference is con- in both. Uh, he's giving it monodirectionally. I would say it's, we have no reason to limit it to that. Well, yeah. Is your verse 21, you're cooperating with each other with Christ's deference. Yes. Yeah. Go right back to that. Yeah. And say, yeah, there's no, a, a partnership um, built on hierarchy. It doesn't matter if you love each other, a partnership, um, there's always give and take and saying, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go this way instead of that way. We'll watch this movie instead of that movie. We'll budget for this instead of that. We all defer to our partners and best, the healthier trajectory of that is when it's in a context of mutual love, Mm -hmm. like not because I love them and therefore I defer to them, but also I know they love me. Right. And if we're talking about context, just go back to the previous paragraph. <laughs> uh, do not like, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Oh, I love you, but I'm going to treat you like shit. Yep. Uh, Cause those things are the cause of God's anger towards those who refuse to be persuaded. Do not become co-participants with them. Don't defer to them and let them keep getting away with it. Yeah. Cause we got to walk like children of the light. Got to bring it into the light. Do not be co-participants in their fruitless actions of darkness, but expose them instead. Don't keep deferring to it. Expose it. I know it feels shameful even to speak of the things they are doing in secrecy, how they're treating you behind closed doors. But it's time to talk about it. It's time to get them to wake up. It's Mm. time to get other people to wake up and support both of you and changing things to have it actually be the way of Christ together. Come on. So husbands love your wife. Like Christ loves the church. So she can defer to you instead of exposing you. (laughs) That's the mic drop. We're wrapping this week on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, Thank you for that and thank you all for uh joining us in this conversation uh, we're always thankful for your company the easiest way to support founding translation is to leave us a rating or a review on your app or player website that you've been enjoying this on makes it easier for more people to find out about this uh the second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor for just five dollars a month when you do that you get comment access on our translations google doc and the satisfaction that you're supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you've been listening to is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook lands. Goodbye, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>